Welcome to the Litigation Psychology Podcast, presented by Courtroom Sciences, a podcast for the defense bar about the intersection of science and litigation. Welcome to the Courtroom Sciences, Inc. podcast. My name is Steve Wood. I'm a litigation consultant here at CSI. And today's topic, we're looking at the relationship between political affiliation and jury verdicts. Thought this would be an interesting topic at this time due to the current political landscape and the fact that political orientation and affiliation has become a widespread topic of interest, not only just with litigation consultants, but with attorneys as well. Joining me for this discussion today is Dr. Lori Sikafuse, who is also a litigation consultant here at Courtroom Sciences. So thanks, Lori, for taking the time out to come and talk to me about this topic. Thank you for having me. And you, as we know, you and I both know that kind of the common belief that attorneys and us and people have is that Republicans are bad plaintiff jurors and Democrats are bad defendant jurors. But what has the prior research really shown regarding this topic? Right. And actually, there is no prior research regarding this topic, which is, which is very interesting. Um, and given the interest in it, you know, uh, most of the jury decision making research is conducted by academics and it's it's conducted in the criminal realm which you know is very different um, from the civil realm so there's actually no published research out there that examines the relationship between civil jurors political affiliation and their verdict preferences but you had you had done because you and i have been talking that's why you know uh, i wanted to make sure to bring you on because i've been interested in this and wanted to kind of hear what you had found because you just recently did some research on this didn't you yeah, we did. A colleague of mine at Courtroom Sciences, another litigation um, consultant, Dr. Melissa Loberg, and I decided, well, since there is no published research out there, let's take a look at it ourselves. We collect data um, from all the mock trials uh, and pretrial research projects we do, and we also collect data from actual jurors and post-trial interviews. And uh, we took a sample of almost 800 uh, jurors and data with data collected in the last year or two because we really wanted to look at the more current relationships given that you know new sociocultural changes and and all the divisiveness in that so with these 800 jurors we had information on their political affiliation and of course their verdict preferences and what we found um, did support you know the widespread belief that yes if if you're a defense attorney, you may want to look out uh, for those jurors who identify as liberal. And if you're a plaintiff's attorney, you might want to look out for Republicans, but it's really not that simple. So yes, jurors who identify as liberal or Democrats are more likely to side with plaintiffs, and jurors that identify as Republicans or conservatives are more likely to side with the defense, but these effects are small. So, for example, in our sample, you know, we still had about 44% of Democrats who voted for the defendant, 38% of conservatives who voted for the plaintiff. Um, so it's obviously um, not a rule that you want to rely on. Um, interestingly, we also found that jurors identifying as independent uh, statistically were more likely to favor um, the defendant, which is interesting um, and was a little bit unexpected. Yeah, and I wanted to stop you there and touch on that because as we found when we do our mock trials and focus groups and that, that we list out what people's political affiliations are. And it seems like nowadays we're seeing a lot more independence. You know, a lot of people are not Republican, not Democrats. It's much more independent than we've seen before. And I know it's come as a surprise to attorneys as well when they're looking at it, this kind of rise of independence. So uh, 
But what do you make of that finding that independent jurors were more likely to side with the defense? I think, and again, you know, it, it's not a black and white thing. It's, it's certainly not a 100% predictor. It's a small effect, but it is a statistically significant one. Um, I think that jurors who identify as independent are maybe less likely, they have a, less of a need to identify with a particular group, with a particular category, um, they are okay with waiting for more information uh, before they make a decision. They're not quick decision makers, um, and they can have beliefs that are, you know, sort of ideologically inconsistent. They're okay with having, you know, some conservative beliefs and some liberal beliefs, and those kind of characteristics are really what you want in a defense juror. Yeah, as we like to say, when we when we are looking for. Jurors, we're always looking to find who is it that can say, especially doing voir dire, is when you're asking questions that you hear them say kind of the hot button issues of, oh, I can wait till I hear both both sides or the, I need more information. I need more information. Those are going to be the people who are more apt to not all of a sudden just dig in and, you know, wait to hear more information. So they're on kind of on the fence. And then as they get more information, they they tend to make a better decision. But what I wanted to know, too, is, you know, a lot of times we work on various cases across the country. And did you find any differences across case types in your results as far as the political affiliation goes? Interestingly, we did not. Um, these effects held across a variety of case types. And in our sample, um, we had all kinds of different cases, intellectual property cases, you know, your regular negligence cases, med mal. Uh, we had some employment in there, and we did not see any um, different effects. These effects uh, were pretty standard across the board. Interesting. So if you had an advice, so if, if you had an attorney who was listening to this and they say, okay, you know, great, I'll get all the information about political affiliation, what would your advice be to them as far as whether or not they should use political affiliation as kind of this primary determinant for jury selection? I would say to use it, but definitely not as a primary determinant. It's You never want to make jury selection decisions based on one characteristic. And and really, that there, there are other juror characteristics that are just as predictive, if not more predictive, uh, than political affiliation. So you really have to take... Uh, you know, jurors express political beliefs or what you know about their political beliefs by doing background research within the context of the case characteristics, the individual juror characteristics, and kind of analyze that as a package. Because, you know, if I mean, if you do make that decision based on political affiliation alone, you know, our research tells us that you have a, you have a good chance of striking out, even though it, it, it is a predictor. It's a relatively weak one, statistically speaking. So can you provide a basic example, though, of what you're talking about as far as like what you would use or how you would look at this interaction between different characteristics when making jury selection decisions? Yeah, of course, you always have to think um, about your particular case. And, and the truth is that, you know, um, there's a certain set of beliefs and in, in, um, ideology associated with those who self-identify as liberal and a certain set of beliefs and ideology uh, associated with those who identify as conservative. And in some of your cases, depending on what the case is about and the specific issues, you know, for example, if you're a defense attorney, conservatives really might not be so great for you, depending on their beliefs. Um, for example, in cases where there's really nobody else to point the finger at. So let's say, yeah, um, for example, you have a med mal case and you have a plaintiff that's completely blameless, 
There's nobody else to point the finger at. Very sympathetic, blameless plaintiff. The only thing really to talk about is were, you know, procedures appropriate and causation. In those cases, when there is nobody else to blame and nobody else can be responsible, um, conservatives are actually more likely to want to help the plaintiff than even liberals are. And so you'll see if you get conservatives on those juries where the plaintiff is totally blameless, uh, nobody else can be blamed except for the defendant, there's no one else to point the finger at, conservatives can actually be pretty bad. Um, for the defense in some circumstances and um, be very willing to hit them with high damages awards. Also in cases, for example, um, with infants, uh, infant deaths and those types of things in med mal cases, conservatives um, tend to be sometimes pretty risky jurors for the defense. Interesting. Yeah, and I'm sure that probably goes back to when you were, especially when you were talking about when there's no one else to point the finger at, then, then conservatives tend to be more apt to side with the plaintiff. And I'm sure that goes back to the kind of the idea of personal responsibility. And if, if there's no personal responsibility on, on the plaintiff, then the personal responsibility has to fall onto the organization. You're absolutely right, yep. So I wanted to talk too is doing this jury research across the country and doing it in a bunch of different venues and stuff. I know that there's kind of a common notion that the political culture of a venue gives one party a, a, an advantage over the other, but have, have you really found that to be true, that the political culture tends to be advantageous to one party? I mean, every once in a while, but you really have to be careful about that. I mean, if take East Texas, you know, there's a reason why 33% of all IP cases are tried over there, um, and it's certainly not because of the political leanings of the venue, which... Is, is strongly conservative. Um, it, really, when you rely on that, you know, we're just, it's, it's great, we're going to try this case here, that can backfire. Now, I'm not saying you should never want to uh, change the venue, because of course some, some venues are more favorable than others, and sometimes it is um, because of the beliefs, but you have to be careful. You know, we're seeing um, a lot of big plaintiff verdicts, obviously in the Rust Belt states and traditionally red jurisdictions in Ohio and West Virginia. Uh, we're seeing them in Michigan. We're seeing them in Minnesota. And um, we're even seeing some, actually seeing quite a few in conservative Iowa, which isn't your red Rust Belt. Um, so we're seeing that. Um, and, you know, on the flip side, we've had a several big defense victories actually up in Cook County. So it's definitely, you definitely have to be careful. You can't, um, you can't rely on the political orientation of an overall venue too much. And I'm, my, my guess is too, part of the reason why is you've seen these big verdicts as you and I both know is really partly due to this reptile theory that's been coming out too, the reptile strategies that a lot of the plaintiff attorneys are using these days to help with cases that what may have been low dollar values prior now becoming high value ones. So really, how do you see this kind of this aggressive plaintiff reptile approach play out in these traditionally conservative venues? Because you were talking about how you've been surprised to see these large verdicts coming out of those, those kind of red Rust Belt areas. Yeah, and that's a great question because we hear, you know, from, from several attorneys, well, you know, this is a conservative venue or this is a rural venue and, and you know, this is full of common sense jurors and they're not going to be susceptible to those reptile approaches and they're not going to be susceptible to these aggressive plaintiff tactics. They're not going to be fooled by that at all. Um, and uh, we get unpleasant surprises when we realize that, that these rural conservative jurors, um, you know, those in traditionally like Rust Belt jurors, 
jurisdictions, but also, you know, farmers, small town jurors, good common sense jurors are actually susceptible to these reptile tactics, just like any other juror, despite their political affiliation and the fact that, you know, they do have a strong work ethic and they're all into common sense. But these reptile tactics, again, you know, they're just highly effective. They provide a simple rule for jurors to evaluate the merits of the case. And also, I think in some of these rural areas, you know, jurors have a lot of common sense, but they're also pretty naive, you know, and they also want to believe the best in people. And so, you know, I mean, they are susceptible to kind of courtroom antics, and they are susceptible to these reptile attacks, and they do perceive, you know, all of these efforts at asking for tens and millions of dollars is pretty much honest, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I kind of want to switch gears a little bit and talk to you about a topic I know that's been of interest to all of us, and then as well as attorneys. Have you conducted any research on Trump supporters? I know there's a lot of times that people refer to the the Trump effect and how with Trump being in the White House now that there's just been this change in the, the landscape of the political field. And so I just wanted to see what you found or if you've done any research on this kind of Trump effect and Trump jurors. Yeah, that's a great question. I'm, I'm sure um, you've... Her, I know that you've heard as well, you know, attorneys are very, very interested in Trump supporters. And, you know, when we're in a jury selection, we always get that type of a question. Um, you know, what do you do with the Trump supporters? Who's a Trump supporter? I'm sure you've had that experience. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess what, what are your plans to do or how, how are you going to move forward with getting any information? Or do you have any plans to move forward with anything related to Trump effect? So we are currently uh, collecting data uh, from actual and mock jurors regarding Trump support specifically. We're, we're compiling our data set now, and uh, we're hoping to have the results of that soon. But what I can tell you, um, according to past research, you know, with Trump supporters, you really can't make a jury selection decision um, based on who's a Trump supporter and who's not. There are several different types of Trump supporters um, that, that we know from prior research. Um, so, uh, for example, um, very widely cited study uh, from the Democracy Fund Voter Study Group, there's actually five types of Trump supporters um, out there. And some of those types have characteristics associated with pro-defense jurors. And some of those types have characteristics that are pretty strongly associated with pro-plaintiff jurors. Um, so not all Trump supporters are created equal. You really have to dig into those beliefs and those personality characteristics to find out what you're dealing with. Yeah, that's inter- that's that's an, and one of the most interesting things that I've found is that you would assume that from a lay perspective that Trump supporters would all kind of skew one way or the other. So it's interesting to find out that, that that's definitely not the case. So can you give me an example kind of of the different types of the Trump supporters and how that would be knowing the differences and the significance for jury selection purposes? They're they're pretty much all equal size except for a smaller group. So first, um, you have like your staunch conservatives. Staunch conservatives uh, in terms of this research. So they comprise about 30% of Trump supporters. And they're what you, how you would picture a typical conservative. You know, they like... uh, traditional conservative figures like Ted Cruz and Paul Ryan. They're super loyal to the Republican Party. Um, and and th- those are individuals, those are the typical conservatives um, that often favor the defense. And you also have uh, among these Trump supporters are these free marketers. 
So those make up about 25% of the Trump supporters, and they tend to be more fiscally conservative and socially liberal, but they're into free markets. Um, they don't particularly like Trump, but back in 2016, they voted for Trump in order to vote against Hillary Clinton. Um, again, this group has a set of characteristics that you would most often associate with a pro-defense orientation. But then, you know, you have these groups like the American Preservationists is what they're called, and, and they make up about 20% of Trump supporters. And these individuals are uh, economically progressive. Uh, about half of them reported positive views of Hillary Clinton in 2012. Uh, they watch a lot of TV, and they're much more likely to smoke than our other groups. Uh, some characteristics that are associated with a, um, a pro-plaintiff orientation. And then uh, you have another group, which similarly similarly sized, called the anti-elites. And actually, about half of them report positive perceptions towards Bernie Sanders, and, and they're they're very economically progressive. Um, so I'll let I'll let you come to your conclusions on on which side those jurors might favor. But you can see um, there, there's definitely a, a wide variety of kind of conflicting beliefs and characteristics among these groups. Interesting, but I guess the question really becomes is is we know that. There's very few things in the United States, especially that are as divisive as political affiliation. You know, I've seen family members get in arguments with each other over certain political affiliation beliefs or views or topics or anything like that. So it's such a taboo topic to ask potential jurors as far as the way they approach their their political affiliation. So how should attorneys approach this topic when they're, you know, asking jurors questions during voir dire? That's a great question. Um, I think the best thing to do is actually to conduct background research and social media or analyses of social media accounts. So, for example, you know, you can learn, I think social media analysis and background checks are actually the most effective ways to learn about jurors. In many states, background checks will give you like voter registration. But what's really important is not necessarily, yes, the political orientation, but also how strongly they feel about their political beliefs and ideologies, whether or not they take any actual action. Are they part of groups? Are they part of organizations? Do they donate money? Do they advertise their political beliefs? Do they post a bunch of stuff about it on Facebook? So looking at juror meet social media profiles can really, really be useful. I know that sometimes jurors are smart enough to keep their social media accounts private, but that tells you something about jurors, too. And, you know, we hear from a lot of attorneys that will say, well, you know, we don't get juror lists or we don't get names of prospective jurors until the morning of jury selection. And while it's ideal to get that list, you know, a few days before, if you can, you'd be surprised at what we can find out about prospective jurors just within an hour or two of getting that list. If you think about the wealth of information on social media, there's really no substitute for that, especially, I think, for defense counsel more so. It's valuable for plaintiff's counsel as well, but for defense counsel, um, pro-plaintiff jurors are just more likely to post and, and they're more likely to publicly post. So that's something to think about. Um, there are lots of proxy questions that can get at political affiliation and orientation. So, um, and you know, these proxy questions are often more predictive than just asking about political affiliation themselves if, if you're doing that in oral board year. Um, juror questionnaires are great. I've 
had many experiences where many judges have allowed a question about political orientation on the juror questionnaire. But again, there's lots of proxy questions where we can get at that without directly asking. One really great question is for jurors, well, you know, what do you think is the most important problem facing the U.S. today? And then what should be done about it? And that will tell you way more about a juror than simply asking what their political beliefs are. Because the thought is to get their opinion as far as how strongly or what it is that they're, you know, they're looking for is the biggest, biggest problem. And then as far as the actions of what they think should be done, because as jurors, some jurors are going to have more extreme views of what they think should be done versus those other jurors. So the idea that if frivolous lawsuits are one of the biggest problems in the United States today, you know, and a juror is willing to wave a magic wand and get rid of all lawsuits, that's a lot different than a juror who says, well, frivolous lawsuits are a problem, but no, I wouldn't wave a magic wand and get rid of all of them because some of them have merit versus some of them don't. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's really informative to see what the jurors suggested solution to their problem is, because, you know, obviously if they offer a, you know, a quick solution to quick and easy solution to a very complex, widespread problem that tells you a lot about the juror and the extent to which they'll be risky for you or beneficial to you, depending on what side you're on. Right. Exactly. Well, I don't want to take up much more of your time, but I do want to ask, I mean, if you if you could provide counsel kind of with a single take home message that you could distill all this research down into something that's uh, actionable for for counsel, what would it be? Jury selection and analyzing these prospective jurors is rarely ever simple. Um, So in addition to looking at political affiliation, you really have to look at a multitude of characteristics, how they interact with the case, how they're gonna interact with group decision-making dynamics. So it's a lot to consider. So it's good to have somebody like a litigation consultant on your side doing that analysis for you so you can really concentrate on the legal aspects of Wardier. Great. Well, Lori, I appreciate you taking the time out to, to chat with me about this. So thanks well, thank again. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Litigation Psychology Podcast, presented by CSI. For more information, visit courtroomsciences.com.